and welcome to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the sixth episode of Riverdale Season 3, Manhunter. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski and I'm joined as always by Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing today? I'm just a hot mess. I cannot wait to get into this episode because it's just so much and I watched actually watched it twice so I'm extra prepared. But see, the real question is, have we ever come into an episode being like, oh, this one, you know, and straightforward, nice, easy episode. No, every single episode this season has been a hot mess. I think every single episode for the past two seasons and six episodes has been a hot mess. And you know what? It's okay. I think that that's why we're here to guide people through it. So this this week's episode, Manhunter, is probably, the title's probably based off of this 1986 movie, and the description says, Former FBI profiler Will Graham returns to service to pursue a deranged serial murderer named The Tooth Fairy. Yeah, so this movie is based off of I'm the novel Red Dragon by Thomas Harris, which is uh, the one of the first Hannibal Lecter books. I'm obsessed with the Hannibal Lecter books and movies, and I didn't realize that there was a 1986 version of this. I thought there was only the like Red Dragon movie from the early 2000s, so I'm actually probably going to watch this movie this weekend because I love all things Hannibal Lecter. So I don't really know anything about Hannibal Lecter. I'm assuming that's the Silence of the Lambs guy, right? Yes. So Silence of the Lambs happens after this. I think it goes Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, and then Hannibal. Because Red Dragon is kind of like where they realize that Hannibal is like a bad guy. Um, Because his original role is that he is like a psychologist that helps the FBI solve crimes. So who on earth is the Tooth Fairy? So he, the Tooth Fairy is like the main criminal in the first The first one, and then it's through that that uh, Will finds out that Hannibal's evil, and it's great, and everybody should read all of the books, and wait, except for Hannibal Rising. Do not read or watch Hannibal Rising. It did not happen. It's trash. Is that the cursed child of the uh, Hannibal series? Honestly, (laughs) yes. Disregard it. Yes, just disregard it. It's written as like a prequel, and it's like the whole benefit to Hannibal Lecter is that he's just like a total sociopath and there's no reason for why he turned out the way he did and then Thomas Harris just like wrote a prequel to be like oh yeah this is why this is why he is the way he is and it's just really bad there's like samurai swords and it's just it's really bad so don't watch that one (laughs) anyway so Manhunter Riverdale well well here's my (laughs) fan fiction not I don't mean that in the sense of literal fan fiction but here's my fan my fantasy version of how this whole season went down somebody watched the movie Manhunter and got hooked on the idea of the tooth fairy and decided that's a dumb name for a villain you know what's also done the gargoyle king let's go with that I still every time they say gargoyle king think of gargooly king and I did, like it's so bad, but I can't stop. I'm sure we've added that to the list of things that are definitely canon. Okay, good, perfect. <laughs> Along with this being in Chicago, so it just makes, near Chicago makes perfect sense. So, how did you feel? How did you feel about this week's n- lack of a Jughead voiceover in the beginning? I always miss it when Jughead's not there. I I want him to be saying something artsy, explaining something. It would have been nice to have him talking about, like, Archie's recovery, about, like, what it means to 
heal or something. This whole episode really confused me. I I kind of lost the sense of everything I've known about all of my characters over the course of these two seasons and six episodes. Because, yeah, Jughead's personality completely changed when he got taken over by the Gargoyle King. And then in this episode, it's like, sometimes he seemed like he was still sort of in that gargoyle state, the G&G state of mind. And then sometimes he seemed normal. And we'll get to the ending later, but, but that whole last scene with him and Archie, I feel like there was a role reversal there, and I'm not sure when that happened. So... The thing is, is that G&G is a drug and it's in his blood. So sometimes he's more sober than others, obviously. Well, I learned that the way to cure an addiction is to get handcuffed to a fridge. Here's the thing. I'm fairly certain that if he just pulled his arm hard enough, he could have just taken the whole fridge door handle. Like, not the whole door, just the handle of the door off quite easily. I'm shocked that this episode did not have him chaining or handcuffing Jughead to, like, a radiator. I just feel like that would have been more of a cliche. (laughs) Okay, you say that, and I have an image in my mind, and tell me if you know what it's from. Somebody in a movie or a TV show or something gets chained to a radiator, but then, like, the way they're chained, they can just literally lift the handcuff off and not actually attached to the radiator. Like, they they got chained to it, but there was an opening. And now I'm thinking... What was this? I it, Like, it's sounding like it might have been something in, like, Boy Meets World. I don't know. Something like that. It seems familiar, but I I truly couldn't tell you. Was it uh, Griffins and Gargoyles? No. Now, okay, it's coming back. <laughs> it's coming back. I feel like it's, like, gambling or something. Wait, wait for it. Nope. Okay, I got it. I got it. It's it's uh, How I Met Your Mother. In How I Met Your Mother, Barney chains himself to, I think, like a radiator or something to keep himself from calling his bookie. I knew it had something to do with gambling. Okay. That does sound familiar. You know what? If I just talk myself through it, I will figure it out. Um. Yeah, I also feel like if Jughead had just... He's attached to the handle, but he can still open the fridge. And so... If I'm doing my angles right in my mind, I think he could have opened his fridge far enough to where, I mean, he's stretched out. He could totally reach his kitchen table. It's in a trailer. It's not that far apart. You know, wingspan, he's a pretty tall dude. Like, he could probably reach his phone that's on the table, call Betty. I mean, Betty came over regardless, but still, you know, he could have gotten... I mean, or he could have, like, pulled over a chair or something just to sit down. And then how is it so easy to open handcuffs with a bobby pin? Like, because of the Nancy Drew handbook. Stop. Oh, my God. Okay, so the thing is, though, is I work in, like, a university dorms. And this happened before I had my job. But I heard about it from, like, a credible source. So I know that this really happened. And at one point, two students had to call the fire department to undo their handcuffs during their um, extracurricular activities because they lost the key. But I'm like, a bobby pin would have just worked? Like, There is so much to that story that I am now intrigued in, and it has nothing to do with the bobby pin. <laughs> That's literally, that is all of the information that I have because it happened before I was in like the position where I would have access to confidential information. So even if I knew it, I couldn't tell you, but... Well, somebody can write a fan fiction about Betty comes in and sees Jughead tied, you know, handcuffed, and she's like, ooh, I'll take you out in a second, but first, why aren't you... 
puts on the wig. She's just got it in her pocket. She just whips out the short black wig. <laughs> we have seen very little dark Betty so far this season. I don't miss it. But what we have seen is Betty with her hair down, which I love. I I also love it, but I do feel like it's a little bit less impactful when she does take it down if it's like always, you know, if it's like 50-50. It needs to be like 90% ponytail and then just once in a blue moon she takes it down because that was like the big difference when she was alice a couple episodes ago man and she had some extensions in i think yes i i think so probably i like those two so i guess today we can talk about the first plot line which since they're all intertwined we're just gonna have to pick one i think jughead going off on his little quest to find joaquin is probably the least consequential toward the overall plot would you say yeah i would i would agree with that but also we don't know that maybe next week it will be the most consequential and we just didn't realize okay so the number of deaths in this episode i'm pretty sure is the most we've seen in a single episode so far there's at least four deaths and nobody seems to really care that the number of times in this episode that someone finds a dead body and then just like walks away from it it's like oh well someone else will find him later and deal with yeah, that Yeah, that's completely normal when you see a dead body you normally are just like you know what not my problem yeah well so jughead does eventually get to the dead body issues but his his first idea is that he he wants to find where joaquin might be hiding because they know that he was the one who stabbed archie and you know he said that he was had joined a new gang so they're trying to hunt down that hole yeah so two things one um so apparently the people who play griffins and gargoyles are in a gang now uh okay cool uh and the second thing is because there's not enough gangs in riverdale yeah okay riverdale what is the population like per capita how many people are in a gang i need to know like it just seems insane to me I think it's kind of like how, at least in America, when you go to college, a lot of people look up the percentage of students that are in Greek life, because if like 50 to 60% of the students are in Greek life, then you're probably going to want to join them. You know, that's just like where the social scene is. And then some schools, it's much more, you know, it's more like 8 to 15%. So not everybody is. I think right now, the population of Riverdale, especially with the rapid, you know, death rate is probably getting close on like 70 percent of people in gangs yeah if you want a social life you have to join a gang in riverdale yeah absolutely Uh, and then the other thing is when they're like yeah we need to find joaquin because he stabbed another serpent he stabbed archie and it's like okay archie was never really a serpent he just got a tattoo said he'd be okay in jail like Sweet Pea, shut up. Why are you so indignant over Archie? Like, you've known Joaquin way longer. Also, Joaquin left back in season one before Jughead was even a serpent. Joaquin got arrested during the riots and nobody cared to ask where he was. Like, why are you? Like, of course he's going to go join a rival gang. You've shown that you don't value him at all. Yeah, even though Archie gave him probably one of those burgers that he won in in the fight club. Guess you just can't bond over pops like you used to be able to. I don't think takeout's the same. It was probably pretty soggy by the time it got to them. You know, that's a good point. I don't know if we mentioned that back then, but, like, I understand that the hamburgers might be good, but takeout is never, you know, takeout hamburgers is probably one of the worst takeout foods 
you know? You got to eat it right away. Yeah, you got you like, unless you're driving home and it's like a two-minute drive. I mean, even then, you're probably like cracking open the bag in the car. I mean, anyone with half a brain is cracking open the bag in the car. So Fangs calls Jughead and says that some Centerville serpents have spotted Joaquin near a youth hospital or something. Okay, Centerville serpents? So, (laughs) excuse me, um... I don't know what Centerville is, and I don't want to know what Centerville is. I, why is this happening to us? I don't, I, is that a separate gang? Is that just a different branch of the serpents? Is it like, are the serpents like the Hell's Angels where like they're everywhere and it's not just a Riverdale thing? Well, cause, okay, so is Centerville, like, I guess they didn't say Centerdale, so it's probably a whole separate city, right? Because I was going to say, if we have the north side, the south side, and the center side, that would be hilarious. Well, that reminds me of Kim Possible when they were the Middleton Mad Dogs, and they have, oh, like, the yeah. Upperton and the Lowerton. Oh my gosh, how would you like to live in Lowerton? You know what? It's probably what I deserve, to be honest. So, their connections with the newly founded Centerville Serpents, who I'm going to say is uh, founded by Bone Shaker. Yeah, Bone Shaker, the serpent, has, has moved to Centerville and founded the Centerville Serpents. So, that's a great new branch of, uh, of history. So, FP finds out that... Jughead has been playing G and G. He gets real mad. We've already discussed it. He he fridges him. I mean, handcuffs <laughs> him to the fridge. <laughs> he comes and goes. Listen here, boy, and just handcuffs him to the fridge so fast. I just like the fact that he has handcuffs. Like, did he did he stop by some store and get? The, did he stop by Spencer's on his way home and grab some? Hand- do you guys have Spencer's in Canada? That yes, it's Spencer's. Okay. We do have it here. I don't even know if that's still a thing. Those were in, like, malls. I don't know. Are malls still a thing? Yeah. Okay, first of all, that is a personal attack. Yes, malls are still a thing. Wow. I'm living in an internet world, okay? It's all about the podcasting. Well, you know what's a great place to listen to podcasts? The mall, okay? It's cold outside. We need somewhere to walk. Um, so Betty comes over to Jughead, and she picks the lock. Uh, he makes a Miss Marple reference. It's cute. Neither of them are buying that the story that their parents have been telling them, so they're still going to investigate. They share a kiss. It's cute. It's probably, like, actually, when you really look at the whole picture of this episode and where they end up in this episode, it's, like, one of the few kind of cute bughead moments, and uh, you didn't didn't know that it was going to be probably the last time they're going to see each other for a while. Ever again, hopefully, so. Ever again? No, I'm joking. Blasphemy. Don't kill my only reason for watching this show. I'm joking. I totally ship it. I just refuse to use the ship name. I didn't say you had to use it. You just can't destroy them as a couple. (laughs) I don't think me one time saying something counts as destroying them as a couple. You're going to hop on the bughead train one day. You're going to start using all the ship names. It's going to be great. Never. Literally never. Okay, but what's better, bughead or varchie? Is that what they call it? I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's not like Erotica. I kind of like Erotica better. Erotica sounds like erotica, which explains yeah, it why That's you like why it <laughs> <laughs> I said it and immediately went, hmm, this sounds familiar. <laughs> Who are you? I don't know. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much more or less professional is this episode? 
than last week? Well, let's see. We're 20-ish minutes in, and I think we've talked about the show exactly two minutes. So No, I don't. I think that right you're underestimating us. I think that this is a much more professional episode than last time. We introduced ourselves. We did receive feedback that last week was the first episode some people had listened to, and I was ashamed. I made a point in that episode to say... This is not how we normally do things. And to go listen to other episodes if you were confused by our introduction. Yeah, but I think what I did was basically, like, go F yourself if this is the first episode you're listening to. So that's on me. And I apologize. If you are listening to this and you are somehow mistakenly under the impression that this is a serious Riverdale podcast, first off, I think that's an oxymoron in itself. But, you know, it's not. So hop aboard the phallus train. No, don't call it that. So Jughead escapes the house and he finds Joaquin and Joaquin has a mask with him because Joaquin is uh, level zero at learning how to hide incriminating, I don't know, stuff. Like, it's broad daylight. Why is he carrying that around? He would never make it as a Death Eater. Um, (laughs) But but then, so now... Griffins and Gargoyles people are a gang, and they just, like, dress up like the Gargoyle King. And I'm like, if you're going to dress up as something, could it at least be cool? Like, why is it a bundle of sticks? Well, so, are do they wear bundles of sticks as well? I didn't really get a great look at that picture. The one image we got where it looks like there's, like, several of them, they it looked like it was all just a bunch of twig monsters. And I was like, how does a human even wear this costume? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that I don't think the Gargoyle King looks like a gargoyle at all. You know, he looks like a pile of twigs with wings. So what's a more accurate name for him? Twig Monster? Twig King? Twig Twiggington. Um, I'm not adding that one to the canon, sorry. I'm vetoing Twig Twiggington <laughs> from the list. You know what, honestly, it's fair. You can get permission to name him when you come up with something better than that. Okay, fine. So they talk to Joaquin about what the symbol that has been branded on Archie's hip is all about. And I'm still not sure why it's on his hip. That just seems a little bit like, you know, where people get tattoos if they want to hide it. Which is probably long-term thinking of, like, by season four or five, we don't want to have to just see this brand on him anymore. Seems about right. Now, the real thing that I think of when I think of Archie's brand is they all seem kind of concerned about it. And I'm like, just do exactly what we've seen twice before. You just, all you got to do is just, you know. You slice the skin off. Slice the, slice the skin off and it'll grow back and look perfectly normal. You know, Jughead did it. Uh, Penny Peabody did it. It seemed to be a trend. Yeah, it, absolutely. That's all they need to do. And then. I feel like they're not as concerned about the stab wound as they need to be. Like, he got stabbed with a jailhouse shiv. That was not a knife. Um, There's, like, a 0% chance that that wasn't covered in, like, poop bacteria. Like, it didn't make a clean cut. Like, that's what they need to be worried about. I will fully admit I completely forgot that he had that wound. Was that what they went to the doctor for? I thought they went to the doctor for the brand. Okay, never mind. The thing with a brand is that it's like it cauterizes as it happens right so it like 
Oh, so it's fine. It's fine. Like, it's not great. And, like, it could get infected, I guess. I'm not a doctor or a scientist. But it's the stab wound that's the real problem. And when he has to go to the doctor, I'm like, well, if they could always trust this sketchy doctor, why didn't they go to him in the first place? Why did they let, um... Oh, Tony. Tony. Thank you. I was like, I wanted to say Mickey. And I was like, I know that's not right. Um, Because Tony's the one who patched him up in the first place. So why did Tony have to patch him up if they've always had access to a sketchy doctor who'll do anything for small bills? I'm not sure why they trust this sketchy doctor. I just like how they're like on the phone and Betty's like, he's a doctor. We can trust him. I'm like, I'm pretty sure doctor patient confidentiality does not apply in the case that the patient is uh, broken out of prison. So they find out that the symbol on Archie means sacrifice and uh, that he's probably going to die at some point. You know, I mean, he's probably not going to die because theoretically he's the main character of this TV show. But within the world of Riverdale, that's the message. Do we need Archie? I feel like this show could go on without him and it would be a better product. I've been saying forever. He has very little to do with like most of the story. He, you know, I, I don't like that he got credit for stopping either Clifford Blossom or the uh, the Black Hood because that was 95% Jughead and Betty both times. So Joaquin, speaking of Jughead, Joaquin tells Jughead that the man in the black suit is the one who is probably playing the game or like got the warden to play the game. And he says that, uh, that Jughead knows this guy. I'm not, I'm not sure... Again, the timeline, a little bit confusing here. How does Joaquin know Hiram? Like, he wouldn't have met Hiram, so he doesn't know his name, and he's calling him the man in the black suit, and- Well, he would have seen him at, like, the fight club. Yeah, yeah, he would have, but I'm not sure why he thinks that Jughead knows him. I mean, it's a small town we've established, but it just, it's a little bit, unless it's not, unless it's not Hiram, and that's just what we're being tricked into believing- also possible. I I would believe it's literally anyone at this point. Like I don't even care. I just want resolution. I don't. I never thought that this Griffins and Gargoyles plot would go longer than Archie being in prison. Oh really? I th- no. I thought the Griffins and Gargoyles thing was definitely a bigger deal. I'm really sad that it took five whole episodes for Archie to get out of prison because I was thinking it was going to be like three. Um, but you know, he's out. And I, I don't think we're going to see Archie get locked back up at any point. No, I, I think he's a, he is a free man now. But, so Jughead, while we don't know if Hiram was the man in the black suit, Jughead certainly thinks so. He goes and talks to him, uh, blames Hiram for everything, you know, killing the dude back in the flashback episode, uh, being in charge of, you know, getting Archie locked up and then being the, uh, the gargoyle king now. And here comes my favorite line of the whole episode where Hiram just looks at Jughead and's like, dude, I'm not a 16-year-old nerd. And I laughed out loud and I thought, you know what? Yes, enough said. This guy, clearly he's a bad guy, but he's he's not just doing this this nonsense. I don't think. I don't think Hiram's the one behind this. I, I feel like Hiram does real crimes. Okay. Yeah, like he's not he's not mythical. No, okay, and here's the other thing. The last time one of these people of the Riverdale crew confronted Hiram face to face, they got framed for murder and went to jail. So maybe Jughead, take a second, think about what you're gonna do before you confront this man. 
And and how are these people getting into his office? Like, isn't it in his house? It is in his house. I also think it's really funny that in Hiram's office, he now just has a portrait of himself behind the desk. Um, <laughs> I was going to mention that, yeah. Which is just so much. Yeah. Uh, he's a little bit narcissistic. I'm really sad that Veronica actually hung up the portrait of herself in the speakeasy as well. We have, like, these mirrored portrait things because I guess that's, like, her office now. We're just not going back to school ever, apparently. We need new locations. In like four years, we'll get a season of Riverdale where they're all studying to take to get their GEDs. Oh, it's great. So uh, Jughead goes back to Tent City and they find Joaquin has been killed. He's got blue lips and he's got the brand on his forehead. And like the thing with the dead bodies, Archie goes to prison with pretty much zero evidence that he killed a guy, but was just near the vicinity you know when it happened how are all of these people not just constantly getting thrown in jail for you know killing joaquin or like betty and jughead were found near at least two other dead bodies i mean dilton and uh ben this season i mean if i'm if i'm not their parents or their friends i'm thinking betty and jughead are the ones who are killing everybody oh my god what if betty and jughead are like murderers and they're the gargoyle king and, like, that's when she becomes Dark Betty. It's, like, yes. a disassociative state. Huh. If only. I'd buy it. I mean, she's the only one not playing the game. Or is she playing the game? She's running the game. Yes. Yes, exactly. But, like, Joaquin just being dead in the middle of Tent City. Or where, was that where they were? I don't even. Yeah, I mean, yes. they were in front of the, they were in front of his house. But so I I'm just think like... his house is now in Tent City. Oh. I thought it was behind Fred Andrews' house this whole You're right, time. you're right. It is um, It is behind Fred Andrews' house. I forgot we wrote that into the into the universe. Yeah, somebody needs to tell them so that they can film it properly. Um, but I just, I feel like you're right, though. Like, that was a very sobering moment for him, and, like, maybe it cut his addiction to, to but G&G just a little But was it more sobering than getting chained to a fridge? Oh, no, that definitely did the trick. That's how you cure an addiction. You get chained to a refrigerator for probably two hours and then it's gone opioids try a fridge door i think that that moment was the first time i've seen like the real jughead come back for a while i I don't know i was kind of it's only been like two episodes but i was kind of sick and tired of creepy jughead no i miss him i don't like when he's got his stupid gross dead eyes on like what is he doing what's he looking at i can't tell (laughs) he's looking beyond He's like, I need to ascend so I can kill the Gargoyle King. I'm like, listen, enough people have died over this stupid game. Let's cut it out. Along with Jughead, we have another very twisty, turny episode, which is Betty's. And look, we could break down everything that Betty does in this episode, but it can really be summed up with the most point. She goes around town, finds all the parents... And interrogates all of them. She interrogates them together at a speakeasy. She interrogates them in pops. She talks to... She goes back to the speakeasy because Penelope comes back there. She talks to her mom a couple times. And I just love the idea that, like, this is a 16-year-old kid going around and she's just putting aside all her other feelings that she has towards these people. All past relations. Like, nothing about 
you know, Mrs. Blossom and, you know, hooking up with her dad gets brought up. Nothing about how Hiram's, like, a villain. She just, she just talks him down and, and is like, you're, you're probably the Gargoyle King. And, uh, it just cracks me up. Well, and I just like how she wrote all of the parents a letter from the Gargoyle King as a way to lure them together. So, obviously, Hiram... Well, I guess the if one of them is the Gargoyle King, they would have gone anyways to see who's, like, impersonating them or whatever, but... Well, so what do you what? think? Do you think it is one of the parents? Because this episode was clearly trying to get us to think for a while that it was um, Hiram, and then for a while that it was Penelope, and Hiram even throws... Or no, he throws out FP's name and Tom Keller. I'm not sure why he throws out Tom Keller's name. Has Tom killed someone? I See, like, I just don't remember. I don't know. I feel like the sketchiest parent by far is Penelope. Well, she's sketchy, but, like, what's her motive? I mean, according to the flashback we got, she didn't set up the Ascension Party, and neither did Doily. So, well, but the thing is, is the flashback episode we got was from Alice's perspective. So if she didn't see who set it up, then yeah. how would we get that information, you know? Yeah, I'm just not sure who we're supposed to be trusting here. I don't trust anyone. Well, all of the parents, it's like they clearly are just blaming each other and making things up. And, and you know, I think they probably are kind of like, not exactly intentionally protecting each other, but they're just sort of keeping everything vague as a whole. They have the pact of the Midnight Club. Yeah, and uh, I, I do like that. Unlike the previous time back in episode, I think, three was when we got the original group of the parents all meeting and being like, we need to stop the game or whatever. This time we also had uh, Reggie's dad there. I I think I appreciated Betty just calling him out for being an abusive father. That was great. Yeah, I like how his his moment of just like, I would never hit my son. It was just so obviously, like, bad acting. Like... All of these people are terrible liars. Like they, Betty is just solving all of their their lies immediately, and you know, like the the stuff with Doily dying in a car, but then it wasn't carbon monoxide poisoning. Here's the thing about that: what the hell kind of like doctor just keeps their own private records of autopsies they've done? It's there's something so weird going on about this her like hereditary doctor situation. It's so messed up. I just up. don't get why the father and son are like the same person. Okay, well, and here's the other thing: when someone has like the prefix doctor, would you still use junior at the end? Because I don't think that sounds right. Okay, let's stop down real quick and talk about using titles because. My reference point here is Harry Potter. And in Harry Potter, Harry continues to call people professor as their title, even when they're, like, retired or, you know, for the most part, you know, just got kicked out of being a teacher. Except for Snape, because he's disrespectful. Well, right. But, like, he always calls Lupin and, like, Moody, you know, Professor Moody and Professor Even though Moody was never a professor. You know, I I know that. You know that. But Harry's being polite. So I think that's just good (laughs) manners. And... I get it when they're calling, you know, Sierra McCoy, Attorney McCoy. No, you don't of... call lawyers attorney. Like, you don't say. But I think people got used to hearing Mayor McCoy and so they need a title there. 
Just keep calling her mayor. Yeah. Well, it would get confusing for people who just hop in on the, the fifth episode of a season for no reason. Oh, yeah. Totally normal behavior. Yeah. I, and then who was the other one? Oh, yeah. And then just calling him Mr. Keller. Like, still, you should, I don't know, give him a better title than just Mr. Keller. I, I feel like it's still Sheriff. Like, I feel like in Veronica Mars, when Keith Mars is no longer Sheriff, some people still call him Sheriff, don't they? Or no? I don't know. Didn't watch Veronica Mars. Betty interrogates all these people, and then we end up with a showdown with her mom. She's talking to her mom in the kitchen, and her mom spits out some good lines, too. The parents are great. I mean, they are weird, but, like, I really enjoy, you know, Mrs. Blossom telling her to call her auntie. That's great. Quality times. That was so disgusting. And then her mom just comes in and she's like, you've shaken every tree today. I'm sure there's nothing left to say. Like, so true. Betty's been running around like a madman. How did she do all that in one day? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know why Penelope Blossom has enough time to sit through two different interrogations. And she acts like it's been, like, weeks later and she's rethought it and it's coming to help. But really, it's it's the same day. It's that's pretty hours. hilarious. Yes, that's great. So, I also... Uh, appreciate the subplot of the jiffy pop in this scene cooking over the stove the stove top i don't know it just made me nervous because they ran upstairs so that's right basically they're having a little bit of an argument and uh they're they're storming through the house again just that leaving that jiffy pop just popping away well because someone banged on the door and tried to break in right so someone banged on the door and betty's like no you probably shouldn't do that and then we see a shadow in the background uh going through the window it looks like a person wearing a hood perhaps and um then uh then they try to open the door and nobody's there outside so that's kind of weird and then they turn around and oh my gosh the gargoyle king is in their house he's calling from inside the house <laughs> he is he is he is indeed calling from literally inside the house um and they are i mean they seem like kind of shocked but like if i saw something like that in my house i, I would like fall to the floor in terror well okay but also so they're at the front door leave your house well okay so then there's a very confusing moment when alice goes to open the door but like someone is pushing on the door to close it or to get in it's hard to tell but then she locks it so i think she assumes it's someone else trying to get in i i don't know why she thinks that i don't know and then they run upstairs which makes I feel like no it's sense never a good idea Right, but we had to get the really creepy moment of there is a skull and some clothing on Betty's bed, along with a tombstone from Daryl Doily, and it has the words Betty and Alice written on it. Okay, I feel like stealing a tombstone is a lot of work. It also looked like the most fake tombstone ever. It looked like styrofoam. It was not convincing in the slightest, but okay. And then... The weirdest thing happens, which is, and I really thought it was Jughead, but it wasn't Jughead. FP is climbing through the window. He's snatching your people up. Hide your kids, hide your hide wife. Your wife. <laughs> exactly. So he's 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 coming in, and yet again, like Alice seems legitimately scared here. He's he's hugging her, which is cute again i'm not sure okay, no, why they don't have time for affection right now the gargoyle king is in the house well i don't know why betty has still not called them out on like wait are you guys like a thing because 
they they look like the last time in in Betty's normal world, her you know their parents were not friends, and and now they're uh seeming really friendly. And I feel like Betty probably like knows they're together, but she's like waiting for Alice to tell her, and she's like getting really annoyed. Why is she waiting for Alice to tell her? Just ask her. She's been bombarding all the other parents with questions. But you know what? That's an excellent point. Come on, Betty. The weird part here, though, is that FP does not seem scared. He doesn't seem scared. He gives Betty a really weird look that's like, oh, well. And I don't know. I'm getting real suspicious of FP right now. I don't know if Alice was in on it, but I think the two of them might have just staged something happening here with the, at least with the tombstone. I don't know about the Gargoyle King, but I think that they put that on her bed to scare her and to be like, it's not safe. You need to leave. I don't think so because they would know that something like that would just spur Betty to investigate harder. Yeah, probably, which is where we get uh, the solution for all your naughty kids in Riverdale. What do you do? You send them to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, who somehow are still a thing. First of all, how are they still a thing? Second of all, how can they send Betty there when it's just been nothing but trauma central from there? Alice is like, it worked for me. It worked for Polly. They'll take care of you. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Polly jumped out of window. Oops, sorry. Polly jumped out of a window. Yeah. Uh, And Alice felt deep regret for her entire life for not knowing her child that the nuns took from her. So, like... I just want normal Alice back. And, And look, I'm sure this is all somehow related to the whole farm thing, and we'll figure that out eventually. But right now... I actually had a thought. I think that... If there is a supernatural element to this Gargoyle King garbage, it's related to the farm because the farm stuff is definitely what's causing these seizures. Okay, yes. Because I, I agree feel with like that. when Josie had her seizure in the classroom, which we totally will to get to that later, I guess, but Evelyn was like staring at her when it happened. And I was like, do the Ever Nevers have powers? Okay. Um, first off, real cute of you for thinking that we are somehow getting back to that first scene. No, let's just talk about it now. Um, yeah, well, let's break down who has had seizures. Um, we know that Betty had the first seizure. Yeah, when and she that was, saw the farm feed people. Yeah, that was directly related to the farm stuff. Um, I, I don't even know if at that point she knew anything about the gargoyle stuff. I mean... No, I don't think they did because it happened at the same time. Yeah, so I don't think that was... Yeah, so she didn't know about that. So that was definitely farm-related. And then uh, Ethel had a seizure after she had been hanging with Evelyn. Um, Also, thank you for reminding what her name was, because I just wrote down Farm Girl, because I couldn't remember. (laughs) Um, Farm Girl 69. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And uh, so she was hanging out with her, and they were discussing the farm. And then, you're right. God, I can't say his name. Sheriff Minetta? Minetta. Mr. Evil Face. (laughs) Right. Sheriff Minetta comes to the classroom, and he's lecturing all these kids about the... Uh, breaking Archie out of prison and farm girl is like, yeah, me and my team farmies, which also really like that title. Uh, and she does, she she plugs her own ish right recruiting. there. We're still recruiting. We meet on Mondays. I probably bring pizza. I bring 12 um, pizzas and I'm there by myself. Please help me. 
Yeah, so that was really cute. And then right after that is when um, Josie has her seizure. So yeah, definitely has to do with the farm. And uh, I think I, I I insist that the farm is endgame. The farm is is the is the big plot line of this season. I think the farm and Griffins and Gargoyles are related. And I think that the seizure happening at that moment in the classroom was supposed to tip us off to that. But are we on the same page that we don't think Hiram is the Gargoyle King? I I have no idea who the Gargoyle King is, but I don't think it's Hiram. I think that he would have a much more sophisticated, like, crime persona, which he does as Hiram Lodge. Yeah, he has his own stuff going on. Like, maybe at most he is, like, hiring someone to kind of do this, but... He's, like, got – he's dealing with things with Veronica. He doesn't have time to break into, you know, Alice's house for no reason. Yeah, but he has the money and resources to get other people to do it. But, yeah, if he's involved, it's more of, like, I think he's financially backing it to make some sort of gain. um, Maybe to, like, scare the citizens of Riverdale to make them want the Supermax prison more or something. Um, I don't think it's, like, his – oh, do you think it was, like, his dad did it and he, like, got it from his dad? No, I don't think so. I, just, I, I, I think it's the farm. I think Edgar Evernever is a gargoyle king. Maybe. Uh, I mean, what would his goal be, though? Like, scaring people to go to the farm? And we just don't have any connection with Ev- Edgar Evernever and the Midnight Club. Like, the flashback, you know? He wasn't around then. But maybe he was and we just don't know. I guess that's true. I guess we just don't know. I mean, we now we recently found out that the warden was around back then and he was the RROTC instructor. Why is the ROTC still a thing, first of all? It's not. It's like you're going to mention it, but then you're not going to talk about, like, Kevin and Moose. Like, there was a severe lack of side characters in this episode. Where was Tony and Cheryl? Was Cheryl even in this episode? No, Cheryl know. wasn't there at all. I think, like, maybe for us, was she in the classroom at that moment? She might have been. You're right. She was probably in the classroom. And, uh, but I, like, I don't even know if Moose was in there. He probably was. But we have gotten nothing on this whole subplot Man, remember season one? I really don't, genuinely. Oh, well. Okay, guess we're not going to reminisce. So Veronica, (laughs) let's talk about her. So she's uh, watching surveillance footage of Minetta interrogating the Shadow Lake boy, Donnie, who apparently is a Shadow Lake boy. Only one we get a name of. Okay. And it's, it's got the most sloppy edit in it where there's just like a jump in time and the coffee cup in front of Minetta just goes from being completely full to completely empty. So somehow we later on find out that 10 minutes were cut out. Boy pounded that coffee in 10 minutes. I feel like that's like a cop thing though to like really you know get that caffeine. I don't know. I don't really know okay. any cops. <laughs> yeah I don't know either. Um, and so Hiram walks in and Veronica's like Archie's never going to go back behind bars. And he's just like, all right, okay. She called her dad daddy there. And I know that we've talked about this before, but it makes me so uncomfortable. And why did she bring the case files back to her dad's house? We've established that the lodges aren't great about locking their private rooms. And, uh, I mean, if I lived with Daddy Lodge, I would be locking my bedroom door at all times. Okay, here's the thing. I feel like it's more acceptable for you as Thirsty Mary to call him Daddy Lodge than it is for Veronica to call her actual (laughs) father daddy. Look, I'm channeling, like, Daddy Warbucks, you know? Like, he's, like, Big Daddy Lodge, you know? Like, Papa Poutine. His name was, like, Papa. 
Yeah, but Papa Poutine, at least you got some alliteration. Big Daddy Lodge is just... Wow. Who who thought they were going to pop onto this episode and have a Papa Poutine reference? I didn't. That's for sure. <laughs> so she's in the office. She's trying to download this video. And did you happen to notice any of the thumbnails on the screen? Well... I'm looking for my notes of them because I did. I wrote them all down. Because there was like a whole bunch that were like saved meme 23, saved meme 12. Oh, I found it. I had it under my Hiram notes for whatever reason. Why do you have separate Hiram notes? You know what? I don't know. Anyway, my Hiram notes basically say, lol, look at him looking at the picture of himself above his desk. So yeah, she goes to her mom's office and she types in the password, which of course is her birthday as we've established for everything. Oh, always Um, my birthday. Yeah, and uh, like you're saying, there are a lot of hilarious things on the desktop, but then within the folder, um, there's a folder that just literally is labeled with the symbol of the Gargoyle King. Um, Actually, I am now eating my own words, and I realize that Hiram must be related to the Gargoyle King in some way based on this this folder icon. Um, So we'll revisit that when we have more information. (laughs) But I stand by the fact that he's not the Gargoyle King. Also, this symbol, which I assume is the same one that was on uh, Jughead, or not Jughead, on Joaquin and Archie, I've discovered what it basically is. Here's how I'm describing it. It's like a capital F, but instead of having the little line that, you know, is the second line on the F, not the top one, instead of having that, like, go through toward the right like it would normally, it's sort of scooched back so it's coming out the other side of the F. Does that make sense? So it's like it's... On the left side, it's a lowercase t, but on the right side, it's an uppercase t. Exactly. Like, did you ever take a true-false test back in, like, elementary school, and then you tried to, like, make a symbol that kind of looked like an F or a T, so, like, you didn't know the answer, but you were hoping you'd get points because the teacher would just interpret it as whatever was correct? No, I always just knew the answer, but... uh, Okay. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I I just was never that smart to think of that. I tried that once. It didn't work. They caught me and they were like, pick a letter. Um, But anyway, so it basically looks like this weird half F, half T thing. And then it has a colon next to it. Wow. Uh, Groundbreaking, Riverdale. I'm glad we finally got this together. We figured it out. Yeah, well, I didn't get a good look at it last time, but I did this time. So there are, in this folder also, in addition to like just being excessive, instead of having a few documents in this folder. Everything is duplicated in there. There is both a .doc and a uh, .pdf version of the transcript, the Donnie document. I'm not sure why Donnie document is somehow different than the transcript document, but whatever. It's probably like a contract he signed that he would do it for $10,000. But (laughs) glad they have their PDFs, you know, just on hand for when they need to send out a PDF version instead of a... Like, if you're going to make a PDF version, why do you still have the doc version? I don't Sometimes know. Sometimes you got to edit the doc and make a new PDF. It, well, I just don't think... Are they going to be in such a crunch that they can't, like, double-click to make a PDF? I don't know. Anyway. And then there's a map of Shadow Lake, which I'm sure is just because they felt like they needed to put something else in this folder. And then there's a whole other folder in there called Andre, um, which I was curious uh about but you know we have crunch time here so veronica instead decides to watch the video and then somehow has enough time to i mean sorry somehow has enough time to email this video to herself which to monica posh yeah first off she's somehow taken the time to create a new email called monica posh um but also it made it seem like okay have you seen um have you seen oceans eight 
Uh, yes. Okay. I was getting major Ocean's 8 flashbacks of, like, watching a percentage tick up while we know that there's limited amounts of time. I mean, it was a much smaller version of that in this episode, but same kind of gist. And they're, like, banging on the door, like, trying to get her out. And they come in to arrest her, and she's like, I'm the mayor's daughter. I'm allowed to be here. And I just love the reception. She's like, false. I was told to call the sheriff if she ever came back here. Well, also, this implies she's broken in before. Don't remember when that happened. I'm sure it did. I just don't remember. And also, why are they banging on the door? Is the door locked? Yeah, and she if locked so, it. How'd they get in? Yeah, I don't know. But it was, like, very, very fast. Like, did they use, like, um, oh, what's it called when they, like, break a, a door A bobby down? pin to pick the lock? No. <laughs> How dare you? It comes full circle. <sighs> anyway. Good God. Anyways. Oh, I meant a battering ram, but oh, a bobby yeah. pin works too. <laughs> yep. Only pick locks with bobby pins. Anyway, so Veronica goes home after this. Um, no, she doesn't. Veronica goes to jail at this point, and uh, she, you know, gets a little visit from her dad in jail, and she's still being all coy, and she's just like, you know, Archie's gonna be Archie is gonna be free forever basically and she's like I need to speak to a lawyer because apparently her dad is the person she needs to ask for that like where is the law enforcement well Sheriff Minetta is out searching the woods yeah but surely there's like a deputy or something like what there's no one in charge of the 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 whole town is just run by Hiram okay so she eventually gets her phone call and she calls Fred Andrews um, and she tells him where Archie is, and then she says, like, hey, can you get, call, share, or, uh, can you call Attorney McCoy for me and get her to come bail me out of prison? And, um, Fred Andrews' face is like, oh my gosh, I have my own stuff to deal with, but he still hangs up the phone and makes another call. Yeah, so he I hangs really up. Cute. He just, like, looks totally defeated for a second, then he's like, call an Attorney McCoy, who, by the way, will always be Mayor McCoy to me. And let's just take a moment to pull out of the world of Riverdale for a second and look at this again from the lens of a real human being. Imagine that you are a father of a young fella and he has this girlfriend and the girlfriend calls you from prison and says, hey, can you call this other person for me to bail me out of jail? Like, I would have so many questions. He doesn't seem to care why she is in jail. He is not fake. Or <laughs> what's going on. But he also just kind of is like, ho-hum, yeah, I guess I'll do it. This is just so beyond normal parent significant other of your high school child Yeah, but just a, a reset for everyone. These people are at most 16 years old. And it makes the whole episode a lot more comical when you think of it from that perspective. Like, oh, Jughead's 15 when his dad handcuffs him to the refrigerator. So Veronica comes home and her dad's like, oh, someone let you out of your cage, I see. And Hermione is just like, hold up. What? I feel like I missed something. What happened today after I was interrogated by Betty? That's the last thing I remember. Veronica's like, I was in prison. I was arrested. Yeah, and dad knew. Oh, he didn't tell you? Hmm, hilarious. Yeah, it's crazy how there's no communication in your marriage. (laughs) Yeah. And so she... She's just telling him, like, yeah, you know, it's all about Archie, of course, which was so on point for Veronica, and uh, that's literally what her entire life revolves around, so Like, what did Veronica do before she had Archie? Like, was her life just empty? 
She was trying to be friends with Betty. She was like a cheerleader or something. I don't know. She oh, had other interests. Remember when these kids went to school? Yeah. Wow. Remember remember when Archie was a singer? Remember when Archie was on the football team? <laughs> wow. Uh, remember when the uh, school newspaper was a thing? Oh, wow. Yeah, remember when school was a thing? <laughs> right. This has been the Nostalgia Hour with uh, Kirsten and Mary. Yeah, Veronica is just like, you know, Minetta's going down, and if you two evildoers go down with him, so be it. And uh, poor Hermione. Like, she is so just not involved in any of this. Well, and you'd think she would be more involved in it. Wasn't the whole point of her being mayor so she could help her husband do shady stuff? I I have already lost so much track of what theoretically Hiram and Hermione yeah had gotten in this position to do in the first place. It was for the prison. Yeah, what happened? Like South Side versus North Side. We have too many plots going on right now, and like little subplots. We've already talked about like the Moose and Kevin stuff. We have too many little things going on that I I. It seems really disjointed because, we, you know, we, we're we supposed to think Penny Peabody is, like, a huge threat when she comes up, but then we don't see her again for three episodes. So, you know, how, why am I supposed to care about her? Yeah, I, I have a hard time caring about a lot of this. I just want to know what's going on with the, the main plots, but then also every sub. I don't know. It's really hard to keep track of. I don't care, except for all the stuff I except care Except I about. care about it a lot. <laughs> So somehow, I'm assuming, just for uh, sake of it being fun, let's pretend it's the next morning. Somehow, um, Archie has been uh, exonerated overnight. Instantly. Yeah, he wasn't needed to be present for this. No no worries, the fact that there's a literal manhunt going on for him right now. Um, hashtag the title of the episode. But and, and Veronica has had time to plan a welcome back Archie party, complete with like a thousand cupcakes and a banner in the speakeasy. Did she even talk to Archie? Did she even tell him like, "Hey, are you free today?" Because I got this party. I think she for just you. assumed that now that he's out of prison, he's free every day. Well, he's free. He's free to do his own thing. Um, he's free to ride the rails. Yeah, and and we'll come back to this. We'll circle back real quick um, after we talk about the Archie stuff because they end in the same place. But um, but I appreciate the fact that Kevin was there with her. That was cute. Yeah, I feel like we haven't had enough Kevin this season. Well, he's been promoted to main cast member, except he doesn't have anything to do. So they just stick him in all the scenes, but he's like not actually central to the plot. Well, like, and here's how he could be central to the plot. Bring back the R-R-O-T-C. Yeah. How about we just make it ROTC? That also could work. That could work. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's get to Archie because that's what we came here for, right? Okay, in theory, yes. In practice, no. (laughs) The episode, or Archie segment of it, starts out in what I'm going to refer to from now on as the bang bunker because... The banker. the (laughs) The banker. Because, I mean, how... Maybe I'm maybe I'm just a little more I don't know private, but like he's got to know that Betty and uh, Jughead were using this bed for literally the same purpose a couple days ago. I mean, they're teenagers; they will have sex wherever they can get away with it. Ugh, you know how you are when you're 15 years old. <laughs> oh, this is making me feel even worse. Uh, we're just gonna skip over that part, except for calling it the banker. That's that's a thing now. It's canon. <laughs> Right, so this begins what the real 
you know, Archie plotline is, which is, I'm gonna hunt down the Shadow Lake boys that we found out last episode have been paid off uh, to say that they saw me kill the Cassidy. Cassidy, right. Him. Yeah, and Archie doesn't want his dad to know where he is because I, I don't know. Because he's a like, fugitive he, from justice. Yeah, but, like, what would telling him his dad hurt? Like, his dad thinks he's he's off on the run. Like, I, honestly, I'm a little disappointed that Fred Andrews was just at home when Veronica called. Like, shouldn't he be looking for his son who has escaped from prison and is being hunted down? Well, you'd think, but maybe he was worried that he would, like, come under suspicion or something. I don't know. I don't know, but, like, what does Archie think is going to happen? He's gonna He thinks that his dad's going to, like, drag him back to prison? No. Like, yeah, I, yeah whatever. Yeah, I don't know. So Archie says that he took the plea deal because he's tired of putting his friends and fam- family through hell. And because, you know, being in a prison fight club is somehow less worrisome to his family than, you know, the couple months of trial like that was clearly not as bad i just and i'm so sick of archie thinking that everybody's happiness is dependent on him everything is his fault everything is about him has there ever been a more self-absorbed character in the world get over yourself archie andrews archibald He needs to because so yeah him and kevin he manages to convince kevin to take him to go get his you know wounds checked out they go to the doctor all that happens and then they head off toward the mine which is which is so stupid you just had your infected stab wound fixed you're not supposed to move too much guess what kevin and moose could have gone to the mine and it could have been like a cute side moment of their relationship we could have gotten some sort of information on them why did rj have to go take him back to the bunker handcuff him to the refrigerator like also, everyone is just terrible to Kevin. They're like, haha, suckered you in. You're supposed to be watching me, so now you gotta come with me to this mine where you're definitely now gonna be a suspect to killing all these people. Like, yeah, let's let's solve the problem with me going to jail because people thought I killed this one dude by going and looking for all of his, you know, hiding friends. I, yeah, I and it's not suspicious at all when Archie escapes from prison and then the three people who testified against him for him to go to prison are dead two days later. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, also, I'm just going to throw this out there, that we'll assume that Minetta killed these three guys because Hiram told them to to tie up some loose ends. Now, I would just like to point out, the loose ends here were the evidence, you know, the falsified evidence you had on them. Not them dying, like, yeah, they could, they could have, um, they could have come forward and said that they had lied, that's true, but them dying does not make that, you know, uh, Hiram look more innocent no and like they're literally living in a mine they're not gonna come forward that they lied yeah uh, I'm lost so they go to this mine and there's a bunch of drawings on the mine of the gargoyle king and uh, a bunch of symbols so yay everything's connected um one of them is still alive and Archie is like we gotta you know what it's not enough that we're just here. We got to put our hands on them. We got to make sure there's fingerprints and uh, gotta, take them to a hospital. We got to really leave some evidence here, some forensics. Right. So they take him to the hospital, which is great, except that I think he dies anyway. Yes, um, he does. It feels like there was a lot of gunshots. 
Yeah. And and meanwhile, while they're doing this, while they're taking him to the hospital, Mr. Keller and Fred are there and they're like two steps behind and it's kind of cute, sort of. Except then finally, for the first time this whole episode, someone does the right thing. They call the police when they find dead bodies. You know, I mean, it takes a sheriff to clearly know what you're supposed to do in this kind of situation because we see Mr. Keller do that. And I think the reason we see that part is because there's literally no excuse if they had come and then just like left the bodies once again. Yeah, like I understand why Kevin and Archie didn't because Archie's a fugitive from justice, but... Like, someone has to do something. Come on. And I know we've harped on these dead body things for, you know, a while. But but just to go back, last season, we had a several episode long plot line of Betty being distressed over the fact that she is tangentially related to this murder that happens in her household. And she has in charge of, you know, hiding the body. And she even revisits the body. And she's making sure that, you know, nothing comes up on the news about it. And this season, it's like, boom, boom, boom. Dead bodies all around. People involved. And no one's, you know, no one's getting called out for any of that. Yeah, it's a bloodbath and nobody cares. Oh, ridiculous. It's hard to watch a show that's like, hey, people care so much about these random deaths that Archie's going to be framed and sent to prison for it, even though there's no evidence. And then here's all these people that have so much evidence that they could possibly be related to these murders, but, oh, we don't care. Also, what are the odds that we get Sheriff Mineta immediately replaced by just someone else who's in Hiram's pocket? Like, this seems like a very negligible win. Yeah, I feel like there's a really good chance. Do you think that Sheriff Mineta will end up in the adult fight club prison yes 100 (laughs) percent. he seems like a fighter he's scrappy so then we have the most infuriating infuriating scene of the episode archie and kevin are chilling in the hospital you know archie's sad he's just found out the kid didn't make it then he starts ranting about how everywhere he goes he brings death and pain now i would just like to break this down real quick cassidy died sort of tangentially related to Archie being in the vicinity. But really, when you look at it, Cassidy died because Cassidy tried to break into the Lodge family household and, you know, Veronica was there. That that really it doesn't... Have, Archie was just the protective boyfriend who ran after this boy. Like, it had nothing to do with Archie as a person. If anything, it had pretty much everything to do with Veronica. That's the only death that's even really very close to Archie. Like, even all of the stuff with the Black Hood going on in the last season, like, even the Black Hood going after Fred had stuff to do with Fred. It had nothing to do with Archie at all. I mean, I guess, like, some of Hiram's gangster friends died because Archie was, like, kind of involved in that, but... But, I mean, they were all living, like, as criminals. Like, I feel Right, like... it doesn't have to do with Archie. It's yeah. not like these criminals found Archie and was like, oh, him... Something Archie did, you know, changed the course of their lives. Not not even close. So that doesn't make any sense. And then let's look at all of the deaths that have happened this season. None of them are related to Archie at all. Like, Joaquin's death has to do with Gargoyle King. Like, I mean, unless Archie... I mean, I know we know he's the paladin or whatever, so that has something to do with the Gargoyle King. But it seems, like, mythically related to Archie then. Nothing, none of the, like, evidence we've seen on the show has been that Archie is somehow, like, a walking target yeah, or anything. because Archie is so self-involved, he thinks that everything is about him all of the time, and it's exhausting. 
does he not realize all of his friends just risked their lives and their, you know, freedom to get him to escape from prison? And then he's like, yeah, thanks, guys, but um, I'm just gonna, just gonna leave. So, you know, whatever. And now, he is right about one thing. He's right that Hiram is going to be after him forever. But you know why Hiram's after him? Because you threatened him. You knew he was a bad guy. And you're just like, I'm going to take you down. Yeah, obviously Mr. Powerful Rich Adult is going to take down a 15-year-old. Yeah, like, he's like a very easy target for Hiram. Uh, so... Archie's just annoying, but whatever. He's he's gonna he's gonna leave town, so that's that's cool. Now we can finally talk about the end of the episode. You know, we're getting this call for Veronica from a payphone number. You know, uh, Veronica, I love how she just answers and she's like, Archie, it could be anyone else. What if it was just like, um, uh, no, this is this is Tony Topaz. Oh, did you did you not ever ever put my phone number in your cell phone? Okay, that's what if kind of- it had been like another murderer or something. Could have been anything. Yeah. I don't know. You just don't answer like that. But Archie, basically, they have this super emotional breakup, and it's it's cute. But, like, again... No, we're, we're, it's not cute. Well, I think it's cute because it's, like... I mean, there there's tears and they're, like, I love you and I saw you for the first time. But, again, it, none of this... This is where I feel like we have the, like, the, the body swap moment of the episode where, like, this should be Betty and Jughead's conversation. Archie and Veronica were told that they're in love, but I'm pretty sure they started dating and they pretty much just, like had a bunch of sex, and then they broke up, and then, because they couldn't say I love you, and then they got back together, and then it was, he went to jail. Like, I don't know where the real emotional part of their relationship came from. Yeah, we've never seen it. We have never seen um, Archie and Veronica have, like, an, a truly emotional moment. Yeah, it's, oh, you get me or like I don't want you to go to jail because what would I do without you Archiekins whereas like Betty and Jughead they have you know her dad killed people and then she thought she was a bad person and Jughead talked her off the ledge and Jughead thought he was worthless and she's like no you're not like they actually had real connection there but no we don't get a scene with them and, uh, as far as we know, Jughead doesn't know or care that she's locked up Did now? Did try to call Betty one time, and Alice pressed decline, and he stopped trying. So that's how you know it's real. Yeah, and, and we can just bring up again. At what point did Alice plan for Betty to be taken to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy? Like, she somehow made this phone call real quick and, and got this all planned out. I mean, I, I feel know. like the Sisters of Quiet Mercy are like, oh, another teenage girl to terrorize? We'll be right over. Like, I don't think it's hard to get them to come take your kid. Archie and Veronica had sort of said goodbye, but, like, they both kind of hung up the phone and then said goodbye because they couldn't face it on their own. And then um, and then we see that he's with Jughead, which is actually funny because she says, uh, Veronica's like, oh, Archie, I don't want you to be alone. And he goes, I'm not alone. And I thought he meant, like, metaphorically, like, he would have her in his heart. But no, he's like, he's like, yeah, Jughead's standing right over there. Uh, Jughead's here and he brought me a bag full of juice boxes and granola bars, the most practical food to take on the run. Yeah, well, I I don't know what I would have liked better if it would have been just like classic and been like, I got you a loaf of bread and a lump of cheese. Like that would have been funny I mean, like make the man a sandwich. Like get him started. 
yeah, go to Pops, grab a couple Bergs, you know. Yeah, grab some Bergs. I road trip time or like they're gonna walk jump trip. on a train is what I got from that. Because Jake, it's like you ever like jumped on a train before and Archie's like nah and it's like has Jughead probably not Jughead seems like one of those kids who like he's probably like watched a movie of someone do it and so then he pretends that he actually has just to be cool I really was hoping for a scene of them like trying to jump onto a train but they just don't quite make it yeah that would have been really great that's in the that's in the deleted scenes um also Jughead is such a hipster that he has like a rucksack and then he's he's got a nice little leather case with which I assume he has a camera in. And his journal, probably. Yeah, it's that's really cute. Um, And then they walk away down tracks, and the song Paladin is playing. I don't know if that's the name of the song, but... They just say the word Paladin a lot. They say the word Paladin in it, so I'm going to roll with that. Um, And then the the episode is almost over. I just realized we forgot one last scene of Betty. Yeah, so Betty is, uh, she's, she's got her hair down, which is funny because when Cheryl went to this place, she had to put her hair up. She's walking down the hall and the, the, you know, the sisters are all like, we're gonna take care of you, like, troubled people like you, we're, we're gonna get rid of your delusions or whatever. Uh, and all of the kids here are just painting gargoyle kings? Now, what? This is a convent. This is a religious institution. There's no way... That such a demonic thing would be acceptable? They're worshipping him? I, yeah, like, I don't know. It's sketchy, Weird. and all of those paintings were terrifying. And what a horrifying way to end an episode. Yeah, I, I would have preferred the happy ending of walking down the train tracks. By comparison, that was cuter. Yes, by comparison. Nothing like two teenage runaways. So we had a few new characters this episode. Uh, mostly new characters by name, not so much people we actually saw. We hear a lot about Daryl Doily. The most we get of seeing him is the uh, the gravestone. So I guess just all the Doilies are dropping like flies. I guess um, they died easily. Yeah, Daryl Doily is just the scapegoat for this midnight club. They're all kind of blaming him for the death. Um, I looked up to try and see if he was a character in Archie Comics. Uh, mostly I just found references to Dilton Doily, so I'm not sure if he is the name of Dilton Doily's father in the comics or not. I just think maybe his dad's not really in the comics. Probably not. Um, then we have Donnie who is the kid who was interrogated by Sheriff Mineta. Um, Couldn't find any reference to him being in the comics. Same with Gloria. And you might be thinking, Gloria? Who's that? We didn't hear that name. That's exactly what I'm thinking. We We didn't hear that name. But it was on, I watched this episode with subtitles on, and the person who works at the, uh, I guess, front desk at the mayor's office uh, it said her name was Gloria uh, on the subtitles. So Gloria uh, is uh, also a character in Archie Comics, sort of, but not in the actual Archie Comics universe. So that doesn't seem super relevant. But I'm glad that we know it now. Thanks, Gloria. Good old Gloria. I'm hoping that she comes up at some point um, with the name because, like, I-, I don't know how closed captions work exactly but somewhere they needed to figure out her name in order to put it on there even though it's never stated so yeah it was a good time um we had no close but no cigars in this episode we made this segment and then they just stopped making hilarious references Mm. to i mean they will never top game lad probably not i I don't think so i think game lad is uh is really 
It's really where it ends. That's what I want for Christmas. I want someone to get me a Game Boy, but, like, not just draw on it, but I want them to somehow, like, actually... Like customize it. Yeah, like, print one with a 3D printer that says Game Lad on it. Um, That's what I I like. can't do that for you. I don't have any of the skills necessary. You're, you're just really not useful today. I, I know. I'm really sorry about it. Okay, so now we need to talk about who was the most realistic, normal character this week. Okay. It's going to be tricky. Here's my suggestion. Gloria. Oh! <laughs> um, how, how topical, now that we've just talked about her. Gloria's a good idea. Um, we know nothing about her, so we don't know what her normal is. But until we see that, we just assume it's banging on doors. Uh, and calling the police. Breaking in with a battering ram. Or a bobby pin. Who could know? All right. Yeah, I agree. I think Gloria, I'll note that. Yes. Oh, I love when I get the realest person. Yeah, the realest person. Okay, well, that's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we will be back next week, assuming there's an episode next week, uh, for our recap of episode seven. Until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on pretty much every platform. And if you are interested, you can check out my Revenge Rewatch podcast that I do with my sister, Laura, on KowskiCast.com. That's cow with a K. Kirsten, where can everyone find you? You can find me everywhere at Kirsten Said What. And I do have another project that will be coming out hopefully soon. And I'll tell you guys more about that next time. Good night. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Puts on the wig, she's just got it in her pocket.